0: Um, so you now you may have noticed that during the Bible reading that uh, this last part of James talks uh, a lot about prayer. Um, now it would be easy for us to just take this passage as it sounds and you know treat it like an instruction manual on prayer. Uh, the problem with that is that as you may have realised as we were reading through it, uh, is that uh, this passage does say some confusing or uncomfortable or maybe even controversial things um, about prayer. So. What we should do instead is we should look at uh, this passage in the light of the rest of James. Uh, and if James is about the inward truths that are lived outwardly, then what truths should our actions be revealing uh, in how uh, we live these truths out? So uh, in year three I had a friend named Daniel, um, and I remember one time a bunch of us were playing handball, as we did for basically our entire school life. Um, uh, and so we are playing handball and Daniel, uh, he kind of abruptly announced to us that he had a girlfriend. Now, this is year three, so it, it was shocking for a number of re- reasons. Firstly, because we had all reached the, just reached the age where um, the girls were gross, um, and like, if you said someone had a girlfriend, it was an insult, right, it wasn't a compliment. And secondly, because, well, Daniel at the time, he didn't really seem like the type to, you know, he didn't really seem interested. And so we're all like, well, okay, well, who is it? Um, and he told us uh, it was Becky, uh, one of the yeah. girls in the other year three class. So naturally, we all stopped playing handball, um, marched over to where Becky was having lunch, and with all the Tact and Grace that uh, Year Three boys, a bunch of Year Three boys, had we demanded to know whether this was, whether this was true? Um, and surprisingly, uh, well, not surprisingly, uh, only surprising one person, uh, she denied it. Which is fair enough. We believed her, right? Because, quite frankly, there was no evidence that this relationship ever existed, right? It had never been seen speaking. Um, he had never once mentioned her to any of us before this time. Uh, she straight up denied it. Um, so, you know, this mythical relationship had nothing to show for it. And so, the question uh, to start off with today is: Is our relationship with God anything like Daniel's relationship with Becky? Is there any evidence that we have a relationship with God or do we just claim to be with God uh, on the inside but revealing nothing uh, on the outside? In the greater context of James, we see how um, the truth that lives inwardly should be lived outwardly. Uh, Well then, same way, our inward relationship with God is revealed outwardly uh, in the way that we pray. And I think uh, our passage today highlights for us three ways uh, in which our uh, inward relationship um, is revealed outwardly in the way that we pray. Uh, firstly, is that our relationship with God is revealed uh, in when we pray. So, uh, from verse 13, uh, it says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Uh, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And, uh, and, you know, so, in the same way that talking to others um, and sharing our lives with others indicates that there is some sort of relationship, uh, so too does praying to God. Right? Uh, sharing our lives with Him indicates a relationship. Uh, even on surface level, uh, if you look at you know, your messaging apps on your phone or maybe if um, you know, you a call history, I bet there's a pretty strong correlation between uh, the people that you have a strong relationship with and the you know, number of messages or calls you have with that person. Um, the better the relationship you have with that someone, the more you talk with them. Uh, so when should I be praying? Uh, what does this reveal about our relationship with God? Well, verse 14 tells us that we should pray when we are in trouble. So in trouble here, uh, it doesn't mean uh, being in trouble the same way you're in trouble when you're like caught speeding, right? It doesn't mean like pray when you're busted. Um, uh, it means uh, when you're distressed, uh, during hardship, or if you have an ESV Bible, it says suffering. Uh, when things are hopeless, uh, we should be praying to God during these times. And so for Christians, uh, this might be quite a familiar idea. You see verses like the one on the screen, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you from 1 Peter. And they appear on Christian motivational posters all the time, right? They have beach backgrounds or sky backgrounds or on keychains and things like that. Yeah, as cliche as it may sound, uh, this is such an important thing to remind them of. Um, this might be you now. Uh, you might be faced with circumstances that are uh, overwhelming. Uh, things might seem hopeless. Uh, you have nowhere or no one to turn to. And it's during these times that you just want to vent. You want to weep. You want to wail. You want to complain. Uh, it's during these times we may be in danger of casting God aside. Uh, where we may feel that He has abandoned us and left us. Uh, But James is telling us, God is there. Complain to Him. Uh, Complain to God about your helplessness and hopelessness. Uh, God wants to hear it. Uh, The Bible is full of examples of people crying out to God. Uh, If you don't believe me, uh, have a look at Psalms, Psalms 142. God even has given us examples of ways that we can come before Him and yell, Oh, my life sucks! Please help me! So why don't we? Why don't we do this when we are in trouble? Well, sometimes troubles make us too anxious, all right? and we just simply forget to bring things before God. Uh, sometimes our troubles seem like they're, they're our responsibility, uh, and we feel that you know we need to rely on our own strength to rescue us. But uh, for those of us uh, in trouble, for when things are hopeless, uh, James tells us, pray. Uh, bring your anxieties before God and commit them to Him. Verse 13 also tells us uh, to pray when we're happy. Uh, the second half, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. And I think this is where uh, more of us need a reminder to pray, don't we? More of us need to hear this. Uh, because the danger here is that when things are going well, uh, we are so tempted to give ourselves the credit, aren't we? Uh, when things are bad, we ask God for help. But then when God does help, we turn around and we say, oh, look at all these things that I've done, right? Uh, we say to ourselves, oh, look at all this, uh, all this work that I've accomplished. Uh, uh, look at this kid that I've raised up. Or uh, look at all these exams that I have passed. Uh yet the Bible too warns us about the danger of losing sight of God and the good times. Um Pro- uh, whoop, that's yeah, Proverbs chapter thirty um, says this uh keep falsehood and lies far from me. Uh, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. And this might be you right now, right? When things are you know, they're going great. Uh, When life is good and there are plenty of things to be pleased about and satisfied about. um, And James is telling you, pray. Sing songs of praise. Acknowledge and thank the source of your successes and the bringer of your happiness. So basically what I'm saying is during both the bad times and the good times, uh, during the hopeless times and the happy times, uh, when we bring our entire lives before Him in prayer, uh, it reveals not only that we have a relationship with God, uh, but it is one where we trust Him with our lives and we submit it to Him. Uh, when we are in trouble, and acknowledge and give praise to Him when He blesses us, um, you know, and that's you know, next time when you're know, uh, in cell group or uh, you know during service when the MC asks you to share prayer points with each other, you know, don't be like, oh, I've got nothing to pray about. Like either, you know, what what uh, is your life so in your control, and you have nothing uh, that you need to bring before God, or likewise, is there nothing that uh, nothing good happening in your life that you can give credit to God for? Think about that. Uh, Because the reality is, um, our uh, inward relationship with God is revealed in when we pray. Um, So the second thing uh, that this passage tells us is that our inward relationship with God is revealed uh, in what we pray for. So what kind of relationships we have with someone is revealed in what we ask for, right? So for example, uh, a child who is dependent on a parent, uh, will ask for candy, or toys, or like advice, I don't know, I don't know, <coughs> um, but a supervisor would ask us Mordnett, you know, for a status update, or a report, or, or a deliverable. Uh, a defendant might ask a judge for leniency or justice, uh, depending on the case. But within these different relationships, uh, people will ask for different things, uh, don't they? And if we take these requests outside of these relationships and, you know, mix them around, then things no longer to make sense. So, for example, it wouldn't make sense for a child to ask for a status update from their parent. right? That's just rude. Um, and it would be weird for a supervisor to ask for it, for, for justice from their subordinates, right? Uh, so what does James say that we should be asking of God? And what does this say about our relationship with Him? Uh, so read with me verse, in verse 14. Uh, Is anyone among you sick? Uh, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one, each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, so now, first reading this passage, it does seem to be promising quite a lot, right? But I think that if we look at it closely, uh, in light of the context both of the surrounding verses and indeed the rest of James, I think that this this passage actually promises more than it seems. What do I mean? Well, let's have a look. So first, let's get the context, some context out of the way. Uh, let's... See what we can tell just by reading the passage and knowing a bit of historical context. So we know who this passage is addressed to. It says, uh, you know, in verse 14, it says, if you are sick, you should call the elders over to pray for you. Uh, the oil that James mentions in verse 14 is uh, <coughs> not some like special holy or magic oil, right? So at the time, oil was commonly used medicinally. Uh, likewise, the word used for anoint, uh, it's not like a special kind of anointing that we see in other parts of the Bible. It just means to apply oil. Uh, we also know that James has in mind particularly bad sicknesses, uh, because the elders, you can notice, are asked to come to the house of the sick person, right? Um, and we also see that he mentions elders. So elders are just people in the church who have been Christian for a while longer, and have been tasked to look after the congregation, the mature Christians. Um, and so here, a prayer of healing doesn't require a special spiritual gift. Uh, notice it doesn't say, call a special healer praying person, um, or it doesn't you know, require a special type of church service. And not to say that these things don't exist or are bad. It's just that this is not what James is talking about. Uh, But what does James instruct the elders to pray for? So let's have a closer look at verse 15 and 1st part of verse 16. It says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So on first reading, it seems a little bit confusing, right? He, James seems to switch back and forth between talking about prayer and healing, uh, but then also praying about uh, each other's sins. So what is James trying to say? Well, I think the key to this, uh, these verses is in a particular word in verse 15. And if you're a non-conformist with an ESV version in front of you today, well, this is where your independence has paid off, congrats. Um, the phrase, will make the sick person well, um, in the ESV is translated as, will save the one who is sick. I think I've got that in the next slide. Oh, hang on. Yeah, that's what the ESV says, right? Uh, So the whole thing reads, um, in the prayer of faith, will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be uh, forgiven. Uh, And so the Greek, uh, yeah, originally uh, the phrase, will make the sick person well, is translated, um, the word, yeah, will make the sick person well, just is one word, Save. Uh, so yes, yeah, so beginning of verse 15 and actually reads like that And you see that verse 15 and 16 actually is filled with a lot of double meaning So on one hand, James is still very clearly, clearly talking about physical healing Right? He starts off clearly talking to sick people um, Verse 16 talks about physical healing And that much is obvious uh, So when you read the prayer offered in faith will save the one who is sick It makes sense to be interpreted, as the NIV does um, That sick people, uh, the sick person will be saved from their sickness Uh, But at the same time, you can read that he's also talking about a spiritual healing, isn't he? A healing that is beyond the anointing of oils or taking of medicine. It's a healing and reconciliation of the soul. So verse 15, that reads, The prayer offered in faith will save the one who is sick. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. It does sound like that James might also be talking about a prayer uh, for forgiveness, uh, being saved from your sins. So why does he do that? Why is he being vague? Well, I think for two reasons. Uh, firstly, contextually, back in James's day, uh, if you got sick, you were actually very likely to die. Uh, you couldn't leave your house. Uh, if you couldn't leave your house because you were sick, you were pretty much gone. But medicine just was just nowhere near as good back then. So to put it bluntly, I think James is telling them to pray for a miracle, but also remember that regardless of whether physically this person is healed, uh, they need to be healed spiritually and make their peace with God. And secondly, and that's related, uh, because at the end of it all, uh, we not only worship a healer God. Uh, as sick people, right? Uh, Because if that's the only aspect of our relationship with God, then yeah, we pray for healing, but that would be it, wouldn't it? Uh, But no, not only that, we worship a saviour God as sick people. Because the truth is, that's the truth that is at the centre of it all. Uh, We meet together on Sundays, uh, not just to pray for each other's health, or to pray for each other's success, or pray for each other's well-being. We meet together uh, on a Sunday to worship and remember the God who sent His Son to die in our place uh, and to rise again and and to death. Uh, God raised him up on the third day, and we too will be raised with him on the last day. So in other words, I think James here is saying: if you're sick physically, which is some of us, uh, you should pray for physical healing because we worship a God who can bring miracles and can heal us. Uh, and if you're sp- sick spiritually, which is all of us, uh, you should confess your sins to each other and pray uh, for spiritual healing for each other. So what does this mean for us? Well, I think, firstly, there are two extremes that we need to avoid in light of this passage. On one hand, I think that in the context of praying for sickness and healings, there's the danger of just focusing on the healing, right? especially um, praying with the expectation uh, that God will heal 100% based on our prayers. Because I don't think that's what James is saying. right? It ignores the spiritual aspect of, what James, of why James is telling us to pray. Um, and it does ignore the reality that God can choose not to heal someone from their sickness. Uh, there are cases, in, even in the Bible, where God chooses not to heal someone who prayed. Uh, and one example from Paul. Paul himself prayed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, about on his side. That's one of the more prominent cases. Um, but you know, the reality is, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Uh, and not, not only does this, is this wrong because it, you know, it simplifies God into some sort of medical gene, right? uh, but it ignores what James 5 is telling us, that we should, in light of praying for the sick, also be confessing our sins and praying for each other's spiritual health. Uh, because uh, that is a healing that we all need. And on the other hand, we might be tempted to swing entirely the other way, right? And just pray for spiritual healing. Uh, You know, there might be several reasons why people might think this way. Uh, It can be that uh, people might think it's naive to pray for miracles. Uh, We live in a rationalist society where you should only believe uh, in what you see and understand. And this kind of thinking sometimes does seep into our theology. And therefore, people might deny or downplay the supernatural work of God. Or some people think that the gospel is the most important thing you need, right? So it doesn't matter if you're sick, Uh, the most important thing you need is the gospel, so just give them that. Um, And some people call this uh, evacuation theology. Um, The problem with this is that it it diminishes God's sovereignty over his creation, doesn't it? It it basically concedes that God doesn't or or won't have the power to heal and affect his will on the physical world. Uh, But that goes against what James is saying here to do, right? Uh, We can't be ignoring the physical needs of people, especially if we have the privilege and the responsibility to pray for their health as well. So it is important to pray in church, in cell groups, um, and and as individuals for people who are sick. Um, We need to remember that God uh, can and sometimes will bring healing um, to those among us who are sick. So a good example is our sister Christy. We have, through the months, been praying for her health and healing. Uh, and I'm glad that we didn't get to this part of James and get suddenly rebuked, didn't we? Uh, and we should continue to do so, uh, both for our uh, Sister Christie and in, uh, in the future for anyone who might need our prayer. Uh, however, we also need to remember that bringing about a physical healing is only a part, it's only a small part of what God has done and can do for us. In our prayers, we should also be confessing our sins to God and acknowledging our spiritual shortcomings. Uh, we should do, as James says, confess our sins to one another. Uh, And pray for each other, both physically and spiritually. Uh, Because what we pray for uh, reveals uh, the relationship that we have with uh, with God. It reveals that we worship a sovereign God who controls creation and a saviour, God, who rescues his people. Uh, Next part, we're going to skip to uh, verse 19. It says this. "Uh, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over, over a multitude of sins. Uh, The book of James has been constantly stressing about uh, how Christians should be treating one another, right? And after all, our relationship with God doesn't exist in an isolated bubble where everything is just between me and God, is it? Uh, When we enter into a relationship with God, uh, we also enter into a family, a family of believers uh, who share in a faith. um, uh, Share in faith. Uh, And this idea once again pops up in the way that we pray. Um, We should never uh, downplay the importance of spiritual healing. Uh, It's important that we pray uh, for... um, and look out for the people who are among us who are struggling, who are struggling in their faith and turning away from God's way. It's culturally tempting for us, you know, as Chinese Christians, but also as a modern church, that we, we shy away from being confrontational or being judgmental. Uh, which is fair enough to some degree, but James does plead with us that at some stage we need to get in there, we need to do the hard thing, we need to go up to someone who is wandering from the truth and bring them back, because whoever turns the sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. And so we pray for physical healing, physical healing, because we have a relationship with God who can, and, uh, who can heal and can perform miracles. We pray for spiritual healing because we have a relationship with God uh, who can, and, uh, with God who can and has saved us from our sins. And we pray for each other's spiritual health uh, because we have a relationship with God who is a shepherd and who cares for all of His sheep. Um, and so, right. And lastly, um, so our relationship with God is revealed in when we pray and uh, what we pray for. And lastly, our relationship with God is revealed uh, in how our prayers are answered. Because sometimes God says no to our prayers, doesn't he? Right? Uh, and sometimes God says no. So is there a way for us to know what he would say yes to? Uh, is there a way to make our prayers more effective? Is there a way to only pray for things that God will say yes to? So James actually did touch on this earlier in the book. I think two weeks ago we looked at James chapter 4. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 2 says this. You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you borrow and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pledges. So a couple of weeks ago, we touched on what is the wrong way to pray. Like this, right? Selfishly. So here in James 5, we're about to be introduced to the right way. Uh, James chapter 5 verse 16, the last part, it says this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So, how does a righteous person pray? Uh, well, James concludes the letter by highlighting the aspects of a righteous and therefore a powerful and effective prayer. A righteous person seeks the will of God. So, there are lots of examples in the Bible of what a righteous person is. I picked one. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 9. This is, describes righteousness as uh, He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. That's, that's God speaking. A man is righteous, he will surely live, declares the sovereign Lord. A righteous person wants to live God's way and follow God's will. Right, so after all, we, uh, you know, as a Christian, we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, not just our Savior. Uh, Jesus as Lord doesn't mean doesn't just mean to follow a bunch of rules. Uh, Jesus as Lord means that uh, we want what He wants, uh, we value what He values, uh, we will what He wills. Uh, in the Lord's Prayer, we say, "Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Uh, we are saying when we pray that is that we want God's will to happen on earth. And so following this statement in verse 16 about prayer of a righteous person, he uses an example from Israel's history. Uh, so in verse 17 it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the, earth, uh, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now this story can be found in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. And the very short summary is basically uh, what James says here, right? Elijah tells the king that there'll be no rain, and then no rain happens. Uh, and then one day, Elijah challenges the king to like a my God Yahweh versus your God Baal showdown. Um, and at the end of it, um, not to give away the spoilers, but uh-uh, the spoilers it's, it's, it's ages ago. And at the end of it basically you know, revealing that you know Elijah's God Yahweh wins, and praise and rain comes. Uh, you should definitely read uh, you know, this story uh, after you've read all of James, right? Um, you should read uh, 1 Kings 18 about this story. Uh, the important idea to get for 1 Kings is that Elijah, uh, he didn't pray to stop and start rain as a flex of his weather-controlling powers, right? Um, it's not like Elijah was some sort of superhero or wizard. He um, would get God to do his will. Um, uh, nor did Elijah pray for rain because it suited him uh, or it suited his family or even the fact that it suited his country. Uh, Elijah, who was just a humble human being, uh, chosen by God uh, to carry out his will, he prayed these things uh, because it was within God's will. Um, for Elijah, God used uh, his prayer and the drought and the things that happened during and after the drought to show that his, uh, his power to Israel. Um, and the winner, at the end of the day, was not Elijah, but it was God. God was glorified. And that's the same for us. Uh, James is saying that if we pray, uh, what we pray for is in line with God's will, then actually it's very obvious that God will grant it to us. The hard part is aligning ourselves to God's will. Uh, we as selfish, uh, sinful people naturally want to look uh, after ourselves and promote what we think is important instead. So the relationship we have with God is also where uh, He is our Lord, right? Uh, the part, And that part is hard for us, for some of us. Uh, like I said, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, people are more than happy to be saved. They focus on the Savior part, um, but they're less happy to have a Lord. Um, But why? Why is aligning our will to God so hard for some of us? Uh, If you think about it, we we, we do this all the time with other people. Um, There are so many other contexts where we give into what we want and do what others want. So for example, we do that all the time at work for our bosses. Or we might uh, give up what we want to please our parents. Or we give up what we want to to impress our friends. And these people clearly are not the same status as Lord, right? Uh, Yet we struggle to do the same for our Saviour. Uh, but if God is our Lord, then our prayers uh, to Him likewise should reveal uh, that truth. So how do we know what God wants? Well, that's why we meet together on Sunday, right? To find out. That's why we gather in cell groups uh, to learn. Uh, and that's what your regular Bible reading and reflection is for. Uh, the very first step of understanding God's will is through God's Word. Uh, so keep immersing yourself in His Word. Uh, keep it close to your heart and let it enrich your life so that your prayer life uh, may align to His will. Uh, yeah, and when we pray, we need to shift our mindset, right? We're not, uh, you know, we're not minions, uh, you know, asking God for a reward. Uh, we are servants uh, asking uh, for our Lord's will. So our relationship with God is revealed in how um, our prayers are answered. We serve our Lord, uh, and our will should align to His will, so we pray for His will to be done. And so here we are. Uh, we've reached the end of the book of James. Uh, we've been reminded through this book uh, that to be genuine disciples of Jesus, uh, that truth is that lives inwardly should be lived outwardly. Uh, We've seen how our relationship with God is revealed in when we pray. Uh, We pray to Him both in troubling times and in happy times. uh, Because we have a relationship with Him and we want to submit our lives to Him. Our relationship with God is revealed in what we pray for. Uh, We pray not only for physical healing but uh, for spiritual healing. uh, Because we worship a God who cares both for our needs on earth but also uh, our need for His salvation. Uh, Our relationship with God is revealed in how our prayers are answered. We serve our Lord and our will should align to His will. uh, And so we pray for His will to be done. So I'm going to close in prayer, which seems fitting this week. Um, And so I'll be praying for some of the things that we've just been reminded about from these last verses of James. So uh, let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, we thank you for the relationship that we have uh, that we can have with you through your son Jesus. Uh, dear Lord, we pray that you will guide us and comfort us and rescue us uh, during the troubled times. Uh, we acknowledge that you are a sovereign God who controls all things. We pray that you will remind us to thank you during the happy times. Um, and that we acknowledge that uh, acknowledge your blessings that come from you. Uh, dear Lord, we pray for those among us who are sick. We pray that you will bring healing because you are a God who can, uh, who can heal and bring miracles. And we confess our sins, Lord. Uh, we acknowledge that without your grace and without your mercy, we cannot be in a relationship with you. Uh, we pray that we will continue to be caring for each other, that we will be mindful of each other, that we will be bold in our conversations and loving in our rebuke. We pray that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all these things are in your Son's precious name. Amen.